What is going on everybody? This is Kylo Shields sitting across the the round table from me in this cold garage. This is Dylan Brown. Welcome back to Caffeinated Bible Chatter. We got the sword out in front of us. It's sharp. The coffee's out. It's hot. And we need it in this garage. Preach. What's going on, Dylan? And like Kyle said, it is our studio is uh, a couple things I want to say about the studio. It's cold. Actually, more than a couple of things, because a couple is two, but it's cold in here. This is the winter time. You may hear some wind gusts, because if you live in the Georgia area this week, you know we've had some crazy weather, and uh, my wa- I have a bone to pick with my wife. She's allowed the studio to get junked. I'm looking mm. at junk on my right side and my left side right now. <laughs> so, uh, new things are coming. It may, it may dampen the echo, though. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some good sounding boards around us, so yeah. praise the Lord for that. But uh, <clears throat> I'm excited to get into part two. Um, I do want to apologize up front. I may cough some throughout this episode. That is actually why we did not record last week. I think I had the flu, um, bad fever for a while, stuff like that. So out of commission, but we're back. Maybe a little bit of coughing. We only spend maximum of two hours in editing these, so we're not going to try to you know get rid of everything like that. Those little small sound bites of me having a coughing spell. So bear with us, and if you're here for the good sauce, the Word of God, then just look past all that anyway. Thank Amen. You, <laughs> and I'm also drinking coffee. I don't want to neglect that. Drinking uh, some JB, some Black Rifle JB, which stands for just black. Um, it's pretty good coffee. And I have the creamer that I mentioned in the last episode that's a hippie creamer because it doesn't have all the fake stuff in it. We're trying to fight inflammation over here at my house. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good cup of coffee. Yes. I got the Just Black as well. Nothing added to it, though. Trying yeah. To uh, Tony G, he listens to our podcast. I want to give him a shout out. Tony Godfrey. He uh, has inspired me. I had a conversation not long ago with him. He has inspired me. Uh, and told me about his how he weaned off of sugary cream coffee to now he is a black coffee drinker. Yes. He said it was a process. He's come to the good side. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was a process and it took time, but it happened. And so I'm very interested in that. And so we may start measuring out my creamer. Getting there we go. Eventually by the end of the year, I may, as well, I may be in the psycho camp as well. Yes. So we'll see how it goes. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is the, the second part to the the missions or evangelism uh, series we're talking about. I, I think this will end up being three parts in total, maybe. Um, the first one we did, if you missed it, it was two weeks ago. Because like Dylan said, sickness was going on last week we missed. Um, but that two weeks ago, the first part was what is the mission, right? And we talked about evangelism being part of that. We looked at the commission to go, right? Um, and then this week, we're going to look at their, the different types of evangelism. This week, we'll, we'll be focused on relational evangelism. And I guess I can give a definition of that real quick. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the method of, I guess, building a friendship or a relationship with a lost person before just jumping right into the gospel and you need Jesus, right? So building that relationship with them um, and then building up to sharing the gospel with them. Um, versus confrontational where you're jumping right in, you, this is the gospel. Yeah, kind of right? a one, may, may, it very well may be a one-time conversation with somebody that you'll never see again. Yeah. 
that kind of thing. Yep. So those are the the two we'll be looking at. That'll be part three, confrontational. But this week we'll be focusing in and breaking down relational evangelism. Yeah. Um, <coughs> like like I said, uh, we'll we'll be hitting both of them, and then the rest of this. Uh, we'll kind of review real quick. I was going to read a few verses in John 17 on what the mission is, but I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't, um, where we just kind of lay out everything on what our purpose is and our mission as a believer. Um, but we're spending most of this episode and at least next week uh, on evangelism because at the end of the day, um, there, there is three, three parts to the mission. But if we don't do the, the first one, if we don't engage ourselves in evangelism, then nothing else ever happens. Um, I actually, we talk about this at, our, at my church a lot. Um, my church has a discipleship ministry where we take people and we're one-on-one taking the Word of God and fundamentals of the faith and taking them through those things um, so that they can you know, get a foundation in the Word of God and begin to learn to walk with Christ and walk with God in the, through the Word of God. And... Um, but we say all the time, like, it, let's say that we have 10 people in our church being discipled right now. Well, the goal is for after those 10 people are discipled, that those people would then go find somebody else to disciple and that the 10 people that just finished discipling them, they would also go find new people to disciple. So this is always a revolving door. Um, but what we say at our church often, especially recently, is if, if, if all those 10 people finish discipleship, but then they nor the disciples are actively going out trying to win the loss to Christ, eventually you're going to hit a brick wall where nothing's actually happening. And one of the ways that I've heard this put, um, I'm trying to think exactly the, the wording, but like a meat processor. The, 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 the meat processor is what, is, is what takes the meat from being in one place and refines it into another place. And that's discipleship. But putting meat into the processor is evangelism. Like if there's no meat, then it doesn't matter how well our tools and our processes and procedures are. If there's nothing funneling into discipleship, it's pointless. And so evangelism is, is, is so, so, so huge. I mean, it's like... One, it, it, when someone gets saved, we, we talk about virtue a lot. Virtue is doing what we know to do. When somebody gets saved, one of the first things that they don't even oftentimes have to be told to do, they just know they're supposed to, and that is go tell other people how they can meet Christ. And I think that in, in today's, today's day and age, it's one of the, the most well-known things. Like everybody in the church knows we're, we're supposed to do it, but it's almost like it's so obvious um, like, like you, like preaching a message on evangelism in church. Some people, some people literally check out. I've actually had somebody come up to me before. I probably shouldn't say these things. <laughs> I, I, I've had somebody come up to come up to me before after an evangelism message, and they told me it didn't apply to them. I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to what to say to that. But the the real deal is, people are like, oh boy, he's talking about evangelism. We already know we're supposed to do that. But I think if we're honest individually, the amount of evangelism that takes place, like I have no problem evangelizing at my church during church services. Like, cause I'm, I'm an associate pastor. I deal with the youth. I preach sermons. I give the gospel in those contexts. 
But that's not going and preaching the gospel. I'm in a I'm in a church service, but I think the amount of actually going and preaching the gospel is is shockingly low. I, I believe a lot of things are low in the church today in, in, in Laodicea. I believe if we I'm just getting now I'm now I'm just I'm uh, I'm rambling big time. I'm getting on a soapbox. Chasing a rabbit. Yeah, but I believe the simple basics of the Christian life: reading your Bible, talking to the Lord through prayer, and evangelism. I believe if you if we were to really see how many people in our churches are doing those three things just simply out of a love relationship with Christ, we would be we would be baffled. Like those are and again, I'm gonna quote what I quoted last week, the saying that we heard from another brother years ago, or not long ago. But we're soldiers in Christ. And if you think about the military, just because a, a soldier can't miss morning formation and be a good soldier. So think about that in the context of assembling with your body, the body of Christ at church. You can't miss church and be a good soldier. But just because a soldier makes morning formation, that does not guarantee that he's a good soldier. And uh, like I said, this is just such, a, such an important thing. And uh, this is why I believe <coughs> one of the biggest reasons... Of the rapture, okay. Part of the rapture of the church is not just because God loves His bride and He wants us to be with Him. Now He certainly does, and His timing is is impeccable. But part of the reason of the rapture of the church is because the church become, gets to a place where it's useless, and He's like, "Well, we're done. We're moving back to the Jew." Yeah, every dispensation ends in apostasy. Apostasy, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and we're at the we're, we're at the end, by the way. And we've talked about that in our end time stuff. But I believe one of the reasons that we become useless as a whole is because nobody's thinking evangelizes anymore. And so this hopefully is just an alarming, uh, you know, kind of a wake-up call. And I'll be honest with you, again, I'm just saying stuff I probably shouldn't say, but like people like, like even with the context of this podcast, people like listening to, to weird things or things that are off the grid or maybe things that take a little bit of, like a little bit deeper. Like people like the King James stuff. People liked when we talked about the timing of the rapture. People like, like we know what our most listened to episodes are. People like those. People don't don't like these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest with you. Like, people yeah. are like, oh gosh, we're talking about like the mission and event. Like, I already know that. I'm not wasting my time yeah. with that. And that's fine. Like, I don't really care. We don't, I know this shocks some people. We don't get paid for this. Um, <laughs> so I'm not worried about viewership, but uh, it is just a test. It, it, it is what it is. It's yeah, where the, we're at today. The views were way down on that. Way down. That last one. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, but <clears throat> we know this is what we're supposed to be doing. And so we just want to use this as we go into the new year to supercharge us. And honestly, when me and Kyle kind of study things for this podcast, it gets us thinking in those line, that line of direction for our own lives, our own ministries as well. And so it's beneficial for us too. So it helps us with that. So, um, Last week, and Kyle, I don't know if you want to go to John 17, um, but last week we did define the mission. So when we got saved, Christ left us here, and he left us here because he has a purpose for our life, and it's to participate and give our lives, <coughs> excuse me, to the work of the Lord. Okay, so John 17, 4, Jesus, before he dies on the cross, says, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Interestingly, you know, it's before the cross. Well, the work was what he did with his disciples while he was on earth. 
So what did he do with his disciples? Well, in verse 6, he tells us that he manifested the name of God unto them. So that, that's evangelism. So that's the first step in this mission for us is to manifest, to make known the name of Christ to the lost world. Secondly, uh, verse 8, he says, I've given them the words which thou gavest me. So, so that's discipleship. That's giving, investing the word of God into somebody, letting them grow, um, letting them get and learn how to walk in the word of God. And then thirdly, uh, so we see evangelism, we see discipleship, and then we see the sending aspect, verse 18. He says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also send them into the world. And so um, from a corporate standpoint, that looks like the church winning people to Christ, discipling them and training them up, and then sending them out eventually into planting other churches in other places of the world individually. That looks like me winning somebody to Jesus, discipling them, sending them out to go win somebody else to Jesus to disciple them. Okay, you know, and, without, and every, without yeah. that evangelism, there is there is no discipleship. There right. is no no sending. <laughs> yeah, it's all that all that none of that happens. None of that happens. Like we can again, like not to beat the horse, but we can have the best discipleship ministry in the world. But somehow in our minds, I think in Laodicea, we've disconnected evangelism to discipleship. When that's the first step of discipleship. Um, it leads to discipleship. So that's our mission. And so again, like I said, this week and next week, we're just going to spend time on, on evangelism. And maybe we'll use this as a, like in the future, we'll come back to this and spend a couple weeks on discipleship and then maybe send, spend a couple weeks on the sending aspect or whatever. But for right now, we're just really aiming at, at evangelism. And so again, verse six, he says, I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Um, and that is exactly what Christ wants us to do as well. So <clears throat> we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We've talked a lot about that. We have, he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then he says again, teaching them to observe uh, whatsoever things I've said unto thee. So he tells us to teach twice, but the first teaching uh, precedes baptizing them, which lets us know that that teaching is the gospel. And so we're giving them the gospel. They then follow the Lord in obedience into baptism, which is a picture of the gospel, and then teaching them in discipleship. And then Mark 16, 15, another popular part of the Great Commission, he just says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel. I just gave you the NIV version, I'm sorry, but that's what he, <laughs> that's what he says, essentially. Um, and so Acts 1, 8, same thing. But Colin, if you have any verses you want to hit as we kind of are uh, getting into this, but... I planned on kind of kicking us off with Proverbs, well, although we've already read some verses, but Proverbs 11.30. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So yeah, we'll, I, was, uh, I was just thinking about that Acts 1.8 you said, where which that's the the last words he says before he ascends up is, right. is go. I mean, yep. It's got to be pretty important. <laughs> absolutely. So Proverbs 11.30, and again, I would always encourage you, like we always say, have a Bible open, um, <clears throat> or if you listen to this while you're driving and stuff, Maybe jot some of these references down um, in your phone notes or whatever. Because um, at the end of the day, that's what's going to change us is these verses. That's why we, I think, I don't think there's anybody that could say that we get on this podcast and don't, don't we don't use scripture. Like we spend most of our time cross-referencing. So um, that's really where it's all, it's all at. And so I would encourage you to do that. But Proverbs 1130 um, gives us an Old Testament charge on soul winning in evangelism but it's it tells us 
really a lot of things in this one complex statement. And Kyle, go ahead and read that if you got it. Verse yep. uh, verse 30. 11.30. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Okay. So, really, a lot of ways you can you can look at that verse, but this the, really where my mind goes to every time I read that is that winning souls is a wise thing to do. Now, you could say that winning souls requires wisdom, and that's certainly the case. Um, you know, we could attack that from certain angles. <clears throat> Me and Kyle are reading a book that kind of does that. But um, at the end of the day, really the way my mind is wired in my life is I don't want to waste my life. I want my life to count. I want it to count for the glory of God. I want it to count for eternity. I want it to count for things that will outlive me. And so if I'm going to do that, then man, I want to invest it in things the Bible says are smart things to invest it in. And it says that the guy that gives himself to winning souls is wise. So I want to be in that camp. And I've actually, in my own in my own life, um, in Cobb, where if you want to go somewhere separate, that's fine. <clears throat> but I'm actually going to cross-reference this with Colossians 4. So that's eventually right. where I'm heading. Um, but I've been reading in my own Bible reading time through the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, one of the overarching, theme, uh, overarching themes of Ecclesiastes is that we ought not give ourselves to the wisdom of this world. And the Bible is clear there's two types of wisdom. There is a wisdom that is earthly and sensual and devilish, the book of James tells us. And that is, that is the wisdom that Satan in this world offers. And it, the Bible does call it wisdom. It can produce some happiness in our lives at times. Again, I think it's temporary, but it can produce some 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 highs, you know, and some exciting moments. There's there's things this world offers that we would be idiots to say that giving our life to it uh, doesn't have enjoyment throughout the process. Now, I think if it leads to sin, we know that sin is only pleasurable for a season. Um, but at the end of the day, there's two wisdoms. Ecclesiastes makes it clear, and the guy that gives himself to what is temporal. Seven times in that book, it uses the phrase uh, that these things under the sun are their vanity and vexation of spirit. Seven times. The Bible's cool with its number system. But vanity means emptiness. So people are seeking something in their life for the reason that it would fulfill them. Then they don't get fulfilled by it, and that leads to vexation of their spirit. And vexing means to be irritable, to, to, to aggravate, to disturb something. So people, there's, there's people all over this planet that day in and day out, their spirit is vexed. Their spirit is disturbed and is unpleasant because they are giving themselves to something other than the very thing that they're called to give their life to. And part of that is evangelism. Because the Bible says the guy that gives himself to that's wise. And I want to be wise. And and so I said I was, I, this whole thing of, of the soul winner being wise brings me to Colossians chapter 4. And we are going to eventually get to relational evangelism. But even in this episode and next episode, we may just talk, just talk openly about evangelism in general and then maybe make some uh, remarks and some statements about the, the different approaches to evangelism. But... This Proverbs 11.30, a good section of scripture to reference back to is Colossians 4 with that. Okay, Colossians 4 talks about walking in wisdom. 
And the ver- Colossians 4 verse 5 says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And what, what is essentially those that are without, or they're without the gospel. They're without what we have. They're without hope. They're without the truth. And he wants us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And then I love this phrase. And Ephesians 5 says the same thing, but it says redeeming the time. So I love this, this biblical principle. But if you're like me, there has probably been time in your Christian walk in life that you have wasted. You have, it has, it has sat, you have sat idle in years of your Christian life and there's been little brought profitable, profit-wise to the kingdom. Well, that stinks in my mind for my life when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ because I'm like, crap, I can't get that, that time back. But if you study this word redeeming right here, it's the same word that Christ did to us when he purchased us and, and we were saved. The word redeem means to buy back something. So when I study this verse out, this is what I believe. We know from the, from the book of 3 John that people can lose rewards. You can gain rewards over time for eternity and then lose them when, you're, when our actions are wrong. But I also believe, based on this verse, Colossians 4, 5, that we can buy back wasted years and months and weeks if we will redeem the time. We'll, we will buy back wasted time and make it profitable with what we have in front of us if we will walk in wisdom toward them that are without. It's the, it's the easiest way to, to, to buy back wasted time is to give your life to evangelism. It's the, it's the only thing that, that makes heaven stop and the angels rejoice. And we talked about some of those things. But I believe from this section of Scripture in Colossians 4, we can work backwards. And I think there's three basic components of how to be an effective evangelist. And now, you're, you're about to think when I say that, that, you're like, okay, he's about to like give us some secret answers. They're not. They're actually not secret answers. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I, had a, I was talking back and forth with a guy recently, and um, we were talking about how to share the gospel more, more effectively, and these are the same things that I shared with him. Um, and they're not deep at all. They're things that you know. But it, it, it's one of those things where it's sort of like this. Evangelism's hard. You know what else is hard for a lot of people? Losing weight. And boy, I'll just keep getting into these dishes, Kyle, this, in this episode, but I'm just going to keep riding in them. Okay, losing weight is hard for a lot of people. But you know what everybody wants? Everybody wants some secret. Like People go on Facebook with these ads and these workout things where they, they, they're like eating donuts and they're like, this ain't, avoiding this stuff's not how you lose weight. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Like they because they want to say something that nobody else is saying that was like the secret thing that nobody knew all these years. You know what? That's rarely happening. And that's definitely not happening with evangelism. So like losing weight is a math equation. At the end of the day, I don't care what it takes, you need to ex- you need to expense more calories than you intake. If you do that, you'll lose weight. Okay? I don't <laughs> care. You'll lose weight. The same okay, the same thing is true not with calories. But the same thing is true with the gospel and evangelism. These three basic things we're going to lay out, you're like, why are you wasting my time telling me? Well, it's because I'm, there's a good chance that I'm not doing one of these things. And they're so simple and so obvious. And this is just the blueprint that God's laid out with, with this thing of the Great Commission. So working backwards, three things that stand out to me in this text. The first one being that if we're going to be effective evangelists, our, our testimony and character has to be on point. 
Okay, so obviously, again, you hear that and you're like, this guy's an idiot. Like, we all know that. Okay, I know. But I got to guard that thing. Like, I'm never going to be a good evangelist if if Facebook's showing me getting drunk on Friday nights. Or, I'm you know, I'm cussing all the time. Or, like, these simple, I'm not going to be a good evangelist if my testimony stinks. I almost said, I almost said the, the bad S word, the S-U <laughs> I'm just so I'm not going to be a good evangelist if that's my if that's my testimony. And so notice what verse five says. And Kyle, if you want to grab First Thessalonians one, <coughs> verse five and verse nine, but Paul says this again. Notice, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. So we're notice this. We're they're not to come to us. Nowhere in Scripture is is it laying out that hey it's it's the job of the lost to come to us to get the answers. No, we're to go to them. As he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. But notice the way that we're walking toward them is in wisdom, which means if I'm walking toward them, but I'm walking toward them in a foolish manner, in the conversation of my life, what my life speaks of is is. Idiocracy? Is that a word? Sure. We're, it is tonight. <laughs> today. Sorry. I'm not supposed to say when we record these. It is in this Thursday morning, whenever you listen to this. I'm not a log to them in that, that manner. Okay? And so we have to, our testimony has to be guarded. It backs up what we're preaching or is supposed to. And so Kyle has 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and 9. I want you to notice that. Paul does this thing and models it in front of us as he goes into the, to the church of Thessalonica. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And then jump down to verse 9. For they, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Okay, so notice, verse 5, the gospel's coming to them. And it comes to them in, in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. But you know why it does that? Because the end of the verse says, As ye know what manner of men we were among you. In other words, Paul's saying, you, you, you saw what we were doing. You saw our life. We weren't saying one thing and living another. And then as Kyle read later on in verse 9, he says, was it verse 9? Yeah. Yeah. He says, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. So just like Colossians 4, 5 says, says we're to walk toward them in a certain way, and that way is wisdom. Well, Paul is saying that the way he entered them, or in other words, walked toward them, it had a certain manner about it. And that was that he didn't just... He didn't just speak these things, but these things were indeed the fabric of his life. And so, you know, if people, if I attempt to evangelize those around me and they know that I'm a part-time Christian, and we all know what that means. My life just speaks of me being lukewarm. It's just not going to have as much weight to it. And so that's very important. So again, working back from backwards <coughs> in Colossians 4, Number one, our testimony and our character is vital in us being effective evangelists. But number two, 
again, so this is so stupid that I even say this, but it's it's it need, it's needful. Not only does our testimony have to back it up, but we actually have to speak with our mouth. Verse four of that in Colossians four, he says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And he's talking about the gospel. You can see that in verse three in Colossians four. So he tells us in verse five, hey, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Verse four, he says he wants to to make it manifest or made known. And the way he's going to do that is he's got to speak. And the reason I say that is because there may be people that as I was breaking down that first point, they're like, praise God. That's what I do, Dylan. I just live it. I just live it. Okay, that's good. The problem is this is what I found in my own life. I've done a lot more attempts at living it and not speaking it. And I've noticed they just don't come up to me and ask questions as much as I, as, as much as I think they would. They just don't. And so the verbalizing of the gospel has to be accompanied with the life that is also presenting the gospel. And so uh, Romans 10, great chapter. We quote that you know oftentimes on the Romans road and we talk about the way that we believe the gospel or the way that we call upon Christ to receive eternal life is found in verse 9 and verse 13, verse 10, something like that. But then right after verse 13 of calling upon the Lord to be saved, he says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Great question. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And again, that preacher is not a preacher necessarily just in a pulpit. That's a proclaimer. Somebody going forth and giving the truth. And so... So if, so if you're saved, we're all called to be preachers. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and so like the mindset to say, hey, our preaching ought to just be with our life. Like it's called, people call it lifestyle evangelism. Your life ought to reflect it. But it can't just be that. Like, again, that is why in my life and seasons and times of my life, I've not been an effective evangelist is because I'm just being honest with you and real, raw and real on this podcast. I've, I have not had a great, I've not had problems with, with alcoholism and drugs and being at the bar and beating my wife. I've not had, I, I praise the Lord for that. I've, I, I, I do believe for the most part, I, I have I could say, you know, I feel like my life has, has modeled the best I know how, the gospel. But there's been a lot of seasons where I didn't proclaim the gospel. And people don't come to Christ without hearing it. They don't they don't come to Christ. They may say, Wow, you're a great you're a cool person, Johnny. Yeah, well, look at Joey. Joey's over here and he's 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 a good moral guy. But again, man, if, if our mouths don't don't get opened, and we don't we don't start talking, we don't start getting bold then people are not going to come to the saving knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so again, these three basic things in Colossians 4. Our testimony and character is vital if we're going to be effective evangelists. It has to, it has to agree with the gospel. But we got to, we, number two, we got to speak it. It's not just a, pre, a lifestyle evangelism. It's a vocal evangelism. That's what we're called to. When the... When, Okay, we're eventually going to go to 1 Corinthians 9 for this relational thing. Just in 1 Corinthians 9 alone, it's, it, it, the phrase preach the gospel shows up three times. 
And we just read it in Romans chapter 10. The word preach means, it means to proclaim something. It means to give forth the truth. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, preach the word. You know what he's not telling Timothy? He's not just saying, Timothy, let the the word of God be modeled in your life. That's part of it. But he's telling them to actually audibly give the word of God to the church that he's the pastor of. And that's what God's calling us to do with the gospel to the lost world around us. We got to verbally make it known. Okay, and then the third thing. And this, again, so simple. But that is we need to pray for open doors. We need to pray for open doors. Not only do we need to pray for open doors to give the gospel, but once we've had access to somebody by giving them the gospel, we need to bathe that person in prayer. Like literally bathe them in prayer. Now, again, just be real with yourself and as you listen to this. What percentage of your prayer life, let's say you're a praying person, what percentage of your prayer life is actually given to you lifting up specific names to Jesus Christ in prayer that they may be saved. I I bet you if you're honest, because I'm the same way, it's a small percentage of my prayer life. Uh, It's also a small percentage of my prayer life that I deeply press into prayer for open doors. Like I may say, Lord, lead me and God may use me. But I mean, to get specific with God and to deeply involve myself in prayer for these open doors and for the people that God allows to walk through those open doors. I think if we're honest and we ought to see it, we, we neglect that. And so Colossians chapter four, again, we're working backwards. Verse five, he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. We talked about that. Verse four, he says that he wants to speak it. <clears throat> but verse three, or verse two, he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So he's telling these people in, in Colossae to pray, to continue in prayer. But then in verse 3, he wants them to pray for Paul. Why does he want him to do that? He says, with all, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now notice what a door of utterance or an open door always leads to in the, in the Word of God. To speak the mystery of Christ. You see, God is not near as concerned with your open door that you keep talking about for that new job to make more money. He's not against it, or he, he maybe is, but he's not against you know, us doing better for ourselves. But in the Bible, open doors are always connected with us giving truth to somebody else. They always are. Study it out. Study out the, the, the phrase, open doors. And that's what you'll find. And so Paul is telling them to pray for these things. And so I was honest enough to to say that in the stuff that I went through several months ago with my health issues, that I've never seen God answer prayer in such a way as he did in my own life through that. And I saw all these people, some that I didn't even know, praying for me. Okay, but what that tells me is, but there's been a lot of times in my life where I was very callous to prayer and I really doubted the effectiveness of it, if I'm honest. And I think there's probably times in your life that you doubt the effective effectiveness of it. And the reason we can know that we do that is because the things we don't pray for. That tells us 
that we doubt how effective prayer really is. And so Paul says here, man, pray, continue in prayer and pray for open doors. And so as we go into this year, man, our testimony needs to back it up. If we want to be effective evangelists, I believe, okay, Proverbs 11.30 said that the guy that soul wins is wise. Man, I want to be that. Okay, well, I want to, so I cross-reference that to Colossians 4 or 5 with this thing of walking in wisdom toward them that are without. And he gives us some basic, simple things. Dylan, how how do I, how do I, how do I evangelize those around me? Man, make sure your testimony backs, backs up what you're going to say. Make sure you say it and bathe those people like crazy in prayer. Because at the end of the day, it's called the great commission for a reason. God's not going to do all the work for us. But at the same time, he's not going to allow us to do all of this in the flesh in our own power either. He's involved in this equation. And that's where prayer comes in, is we allow him to do what we cannot do. And that is to direct our steps and to give us opportunity that we, that we would have no idea how to get ourselves into. And he'll do that. And so I think those are important things. Kyle, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I, these are just kind of general <coughs> things about evangelism. So like those three things would go with confrontational evangelism or relation, re, relational evangelism. But so like I said, we're spending this and we're th- 37 minutes in and we've just talked about evangelism in general. Oops, sorry. Um, but... I think it's important that we kind of just go over those basic known facts because it's it's easy it's easy to get into this thing of like oh I need to go to this seminar because they're going to talk about how he won a hundred souls to Christ last year. Okay. Sometimes we get in those mindsets and we forget to even praying about those things. Like, <laughs> and that's where the power's at. And so yeah, I think I think those were definitely good as a reminder, even but even like to myself like. Yeah, like you said, I pray all the time. I want to be used, use me. But what am I doing as far as get it, doing it, going and doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of calls you out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, so the rest of this episode, you know, we'll kind of hit, attack the angle from relational evangelism. So, okay, okay, so what's the difference again? And I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 9 because when I think about using relationships, building friendships for the sake of, of sharing the gospel with them, my mind <coughs> always goes to 1 Corinthians 9. And so, again, it's simple, but relational evangelism is simply the slow game, if you will. It's trying to befriend somebody without giving them the gospel up front and building a relationship with them so that you then eventually can give them the gospel. Whereas in confrontational evangelism, Maybe a one-time thing. You run into somebody in a store that you don't know, and somehow a conversation is striked up, and you give them the gospel. Okay. Um, now, I, I do think we're going to give you a method that can maybe turn those confrontational things into relational things, because I think I think I think both of these are necessary, but I think they can all they don't always have to be totally separate. They can sometimes join themselves together. Confrontational evangelism can lead to relational evangelism. So we'll talk more about that. But specifically, 
you know, conversational evangelism is the one-time conversation. Maybe it's on an airplane beside somebody and you, they're going somewhere and you're never going to see them again. Uh, or it's the one time at the store. Or it's, you know, something something in those contexts. Whereas a relational, event, relational thing is somebody that you may run across on a consistent basis where you're able to build a friendship with them. Uh, or it's a ball team thing. Or it's, um, you know, you do things extracurricularly with them, like hang out with them. Um, maybe it's a Bible study. And so that would be the slow process too because you're not looking to, um, you know, spring the gospel on them in a one-time conversation but do it across time. Whatever. Um, so we're going we're gonna to just kind of attack both angles um, in this to kind of spark our thinking or charge us, if you will. So in 1 Corinthians 9, Again, in this chapter, <coughs> the phrase preach the gospel shows up three times in this chapter. Um, and what Paul does, I also wrote down three things, three mindsets that Paul had when he, when he, he took this approach of relational evangelism. Now, Paul certainly was for confrontational evangelism. He would go to um, synagogues, Israel and stuff, and he and he would just preach the gospel, and that's a that's why sometimes he was stoned, he was thrown out of cities, and they're like, get the heck out of here, and all those kind of things. But from First Corinthians nine, this lets me know he also kind of took the slow process at times as well. And so, Kyle, if you're in First Corinthians nine, if you want to read, uh, maybe just go ahead and read verse sixteen through verse twenty three, kind of a little chunk there, and then we'll kind of break that down. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became... I as we or to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Okay, so I think there's three three mindsets or approaches that stand out to me with Paul in this relational thing, and you can see or hear as as Kyle reads that that um, Paul is certainly doing a certain thing with certain people, he's getting on their level, if you will, and the very the, the whole purpose he's getting on their level and, and becoming like them, you know, getting involved where they're involved, whatever that looks like. He's doing that so that he may, may be a partaker of the gospel. He he may, he actually says, save some. That's his purpose. And so three mindsets that I think can can help us if we'll have these mindsets if we're going after the relational side of evangelism. So again, maybe I go to a coffee shop a lot and there's a barista there and I'm like, you know, dude's a cool dude. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to start building a relationship with him. 
I'm not just going to walk up to him and be like, are you going to heaven or hell? You know? <laughs> I mean, do your thing. Okay, but maybe that's not what I want to do. Uh, I want to, unless I'm saying, all right, I want to kind of get to know this guy. Okay, these would be three good things, good approaches, and a good three good mindsets to have as I'm seeking to do that. And then the first one is, is that Paul had a humble mindset towards this relational evangelism. Okay, so why do I say that? Well, verse 19, notice what he says here. He says, for though I be free from all men. So in other words, he's saying, I don't know anybody anything. Like I, nobody has, it has anything over my head. I'm not doing anything because I have to do something because of, you know, what they have over me. He's not a slave is what he's saying. But then he says, yet have I made myself, notice this, servant unto all that I might gain the more. So he is making himself a servant. And you're like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be a servant. Okay, notice he's not just saying he's a servant of Christ, although he does say that. He, that's one of his favorite, his favorite ways to describe his ministry is that he's a servant. If you go look at the 13 epistles that he wrote, if you count Hebrews, or is it 14 if you count Hebrews? No, it's 13. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> if you go look at the epistles that Paul wrote, oftentimes he refers to himself as a servant, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we know we're supposed to be servants to Christ. We ain't got to get all churchies right here. We know that. You know that. But notice he says that he becomes a servant. He made, He says, I made myself servant unto all. You know what he's saying? He's made himself a servant to these people. You know why? I oftentimes won't try to build relationships with those with different people to evangelize. I'm selfish with my time. I take the approach. I'm like, well, they're different than me. I ain't got no time to be building relationships with them. I'm selfish. And so I this mindset that Paul takes, like I could tell, I could say, and I would be telling the truth, man, I don't know that barista nothing. He hadn't done nothing for me. That's a true statement. But if I want to, if I want to be obedient in the Great Commission and evangelize and witness to that guy, you know what? I need to take this humble approach to say, you know what? This dude's weird. Because let's all let's all be honest. A lot of coffee shop workers are weird. If we got any coffee shop workers that listen to this, I love you. We know there's Starbucks has some weird employees. Okay. We're going we're gonna to have to put the explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Look, let's just be real. All right, if you're, if you're trying to evangelize somebody at a library, if people even go to those anymore, some weird folks in there. But what Paul's saying is that he made himself servant unto them. He lowered his convenience and in the, the, the fact that he had his own time and he had his own life. You know, the things that Christians will say today. He lowered that and, and put those people above that so that he may get on their level and share the gospel with them. And I think that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's huge when it comes to this whole thing of relational evangelism. Because again, I think we've all had that mindset. We're like, well, man, I ain't got time to go hang out with so-and-so. They're, by the way, they're different than me anyway. Yeah, that, that, it really is work. Man, like, I'm just going to be honest. If I start building a relationship with somebody and they say, hey, Dylan, you want to go rock climbing? 
coming up, I'm going to be thinking, dear God, rock climbing. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, help us. You know, like if you rock climb, that's fine. I've done rock climbing. It's fine. But it's not what I want to do with my, with my weekends. Okay? <laughs> so, but you know what? That takes work. And Paul's saying, we got to lower ourselves and we got we to gotta drop the pride. And we got to put people over ourselves if we're going to win them to Jesus Christ in a relational manner. And I think that's the most important thing out of all these things I'm going to say. I think that's so important. Okay, so Paul became a servant. He had a humble mindset in this whole thing, and that's the mindset we got to take. His second mindset, which all of these stem from this, <coughs> that first one, but he had a personable mindset. He was, per- he was very personal with these people. Again, that required humility. He had to make himself a servant unto them. And Kyle, if you want to go to Proverbs 18, 24. But notice in these verses that he gets on their level. Verse 20, he says, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak, then he became weak, that he might gain those that are weak. And you just keep going down this, this list. What we know, it's, this is not hard. Paul is, he's putting themselves in their world so that a relationship can be established so that the gospel can go forth. You know what I need to write down in the margin of my Bible? Dylan, you may need to become a rock, a, rock, a rock climber. Dylan, you may need to be willing to go to the dog park. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. Let that, I'm just praying now. Lord, don't ever let, let it be a dog park. Whatever, whatever it may be, I'm laughing, but I'm being serious. Whatever it may be, may, I, may we take the approach that Paul is taking here to say, you know what, man? You just got to get on their level sometimes so that the relationship can be built. Kyle has Proverbs 18.24. We all know this point of biblical truth, and everybody quotes it in a loose way all the time, but it's true. Go ahead and read that, big Kyle. A, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's so simple. And again, all this is so simple that we're laying out. But it could be that we are not effective in relationship evangelism because we're not effective in building relationships. And it's just that simple. You may not have new friends to access, access to give the gospel to because you're not good at making new friends. If you're a jerk, if I'm a jerk, we're not going to be good at relational evangelism. <laughs> like it, Again, this is where people want the, the magic fat loss pill. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you got to eat less calories. you got to be friendly if you want to make friends. That's what the Bible says. And so that is exactly what Paul did is, man, he got on their level. <clears throat> and again, that comes from a, this humble mindset that he has, that he put them above himself. He treated them, again, another simple truth. He treated them the way he'd want to be treated. He was friendly to them so that he could become friends with them so that the gospel could go forth into their ears. And then thirdly, Paul had an eternal mindset. So I think the humble mindset is crucial, but I'm going to tell you 
if I'm ever going to make it at a dog park, it's going to come from me thinking eternally. Because I'm sorry, the dog park just ain't in me. Now, I'll be honest, if me and another guy are at a dog park together, somebody call the cops. Because I've probably been taken hostage by this dude, and I'm not safe. Okay? But if I'm at a, if I'm at a rock climbing wall with just me and this guy I'm trying to win to the Lord, or you're at whatever, fill in the blank. Whatever just seems so dreadful to you, like a dog park, fill in the blank. Okay. Speaking of dogs, that, that's how we knew back in Charleston, <laughs> Dylan wasn't fully awake yet because somebody walked by with one of those service dogs or whatever, yep. asking people if they want to pet him. And Dylan was like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> she brought the dog in. He's wanting to pet it. I'm like, yeah, he ain't awake yet. <laughs> <clears throat> one of the secret, my secrets in my life is that dogs get on my nerves. I actually like dogs. But now I'm just going to say this. And if I got people that I'm going to go to your house and your dog's going to be there, forget I said it because I'm not going to act upset about it. But one of my biggest things that I've never understood is when some guest comes to a house and the dog is all up in everybody's face and they're just like, look how cute that dog is. And I'm like, get this dog out my face. <laughs> all right, that's the sidebar. Boy, I'll tell you, this episode. Um, Explicit. That's right. But if I'm going to be at a dog park, I'm going, the only thing going to allow me to make it through that is to have a stinking eternal mindset and to think, good gosh, Dylan, this ain't about the dog park. It's about this dog park loving soul that I'm with. Okay. And so we see that mindset with Paul because in verse 23, he says, and this I do. Okay. Getting on these people's level, he says he does this for the gospel's sake. He don't do it just for them, just to make friends, although that's a great byproduct. We all want more friends. We all want friends. It's great. But he does it for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. You know what he's saying? He's saying he's doing this for the gospel's sake. <clears throat> but he's saying he wants in on this eternal investment with, with that, that person. He not only wants that person to come to know Christ, but he wants to be in on the action. You know why he'd want to be in on the action? Well, because there's rewards for leading souls to Christ. Nothing wrong with that being a motive and a, a driving force for the mission. No, nothing wrong with that. Paul does that all throughout, the, throughout his epistles. He lets us know that. Okay, and then he, he goes on after that verse and talk, he compares the Christian life to a race. And again, it's coming off the heels of evangelism. And he says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? This ain't upwards, Christian. He's saying well, the person that gives their life to this is the one that receives the prize. And then he makes this statement that's so simple. He says, so run that ye may obtain. Hey, Dylan, he's saying, hey, Dylan, approach the Christian life like you're, actually, like you're actually living it on purpose. Like you're actually seeking to obtain eternal reward one day. Run like that. Evangelize like that. Invest your life on purpose like that for that reason. God, I feel preachy. Am I, am I a little bit louder on this episode? I feel preachy. Anyway. Yeah, this one may be loud. Yeah things off the chart <laughs> so i'm just preaching okay so he, but he has this eternal mindset he says i want to be a partaker with you and i do this 
for the gospel's sake. Kyle, if you want to go to 1 Thessalonians 2, and I'm going to go to Philippians 4. Notice these two references and how the soul winner is jointly connected with these type of people in a, in a special way. <clears throat> Philippians 4 verse 1, he says this. He says, Therefore, uh, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, notice this, he's talking to brethren, these Christians, these people in the faith. He says, it says, comma, my joy and crown. He's literally calling these brothers in Christ that he has given the gospel to, led to Jesus Christ, and invested the word of God to. He is calling them his joy and his crown. So he's saying those people are directly connected with his eternal reward. And then Kyle's got 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. And go ahead with that, big Kyle. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Okay. He says, he, call, he literally calls them there again. He says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? He says, are not even ye, those people that are in the presence of the Lord, they are that. And then verse 20, he says, for ye are our glory and joy. And so, again, back to where this whole episode started. <clears throat> Man, he who winneth souls is wise. In 2024, what are you going to invest your life in? I know of nothing harder, but nothing that can be more rewarding than to entrench ourselves into the battlefield of winning souls. That's why we're here. And I'll close with this verse in, in the context of all this. This is a great verse. But 1 Thessalonians 5.10, and that's not it. What in the world? That's the wrong reference. I'm sorry. Uh, is it 3.10? It's 3.8. <laughs> I don't know what I put written down. 1 Thessalonians 3.8. Listen to what he tells this church of Thessalonica. So what is the mission? It's to evangelize, to disciple, and to send them out to do the same. We see that Paul did that. We see he did it the right way. His manner, his conversation of his life, it backed up what he, what he was preaching to these people. They get it. They receive the word of God with much assurance and in the Holy Ghost. He, he later tells them in this book, verse 8, he says, For now we live. He's talking about him, Timothy, and Silas, he says, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. What Paul is saying here in this verse is that real, according to Paul, who is the model for our life in this dispensation, that real living came from him investing his life and the word of God into souls. And then as they receive that, whether that's through that's for getting saved in evangelism or that's growing in the Lord and discipleship, them receiving that and then standing fast in the Lord in those things, according to Paul, him seeing that, that was real living. That was what life was about. That's what got him up on Monday morning. That's what 
cranked his tractor. Whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. That's what made Paul go was that souls would be drastically affected from him giving the truth of the word of God in their lives. And man, that needs to be us. That needs to be our mindset. And, and we say this often. I think we've probably said it on this podcast before. We say it all the time though. <clears throat> say it at, my, at the church I go to. There's only two things eternal that we have access to tangibly on this earth. The word of God and the souls of men. Both of those things will live forever. The word of God and people. And if we want to truly invest our lives in eternal things, then we ought to start by investing our, investing our lives in the two things that we have access to physically that will last forever. By pouring the word of God into the souls of men. That's all I got. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was good. Gotta get out with the souls. Relational evangelism. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Paul did it. Yeah. Paul was all about it. And again, I, I think but these will tie in together. I think, like we said, <clears throat> confrontational evangelism is need, needful, but it doesn't just have to be confrontational. Confrontational yeah. can even lead to relational. We may yeah. tie them to bow on that next week, I think. Yeah, I guess there's there's pros and cons to both. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> relational, I, mean, I guess I was looking at uh, or earlier this week in Acts 24, uh, Felix, I think he's the governor of, what is it, Caesarea? How do you say it? <laughs> I think so. um, Paul ends up being there, uh, I guess, in prison there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he's there for two years with Felix, yeah. right? And and over that time, it says they communed with each other, and he he was telling him things of Christ. He, Felix even brings his wife. Oh yeah, right. And then, but at the end of it, Felix it says he he heard the things of Christ and he trembled. Yeah. But there was no response there. Right. So right. so I guess there's pros and cons of both. Like yeah. Building that relationship, you spend all this time with this person, and at the end, it's like, well, they don't want to hear anything about Christ. It's like, well, that's that stinks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, and and I think the relational side of things, <clears throat> like the conversational side of things, is where we can pray for the open doors. Yeah. But the relational side of things is where we can pray by name for people. Yeah. That God is allowed to walk through those open doors that we have access to consistently. That God would give us greater doors with those people, yep. and lift them up in prayer. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that was relational evangelism. Uh, if you missed the last one, check out that one first, probably. That one yep. was what is the mission. Um, and then next week, we will hit uh, confrontational evangelism. Yes, sir. And you'll hear hear more about the mission again, probably. Street preaching. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Turn or burn. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, stay tuned for the, the next one on confrontational evangelism. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>